Hey everyone, welcome to Emmanuel Fellowship's podcast. This is Pastor Trent, the founding pastor of Emmanuel Fellowship, a church in South Minneapolis that exists to serve our city and to live for God's glory. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We pray that this message encourages you to follow Jesus and to see his presence and power everywhere in your life. 2,000 years ago, Jesus lived and walked this earth. That's irrefutable from a historian's point of view. And as he did, he went from town to town proclaiming, the kingdom of God is here. He announced this good news. And then he had a call saying that we should turn from our old ways and we should put our trust in the good news of the kingdom. We should repent and we should believe. And he spoke about the kingdom using simple pictures. He would say things like, This is what the kingdom is like. Does anybody go in, buy a lamp, Home Depot maybe, buy a lamp, and then bring it home, and then put it underneath their bed? No, they they put it on the nightstand so that it can give light so they can read, right? Does anybody buy a light and then bring it home and then put it under a blanket? No, they put it in the living room so that it can shine light so they can talk with their friends. And he would go on and he would say, the kingdom of God is, what can we compare it to? It's like a seed, like a pine nut, small, tiny. But if it takes root and goes down into the soil and gets watered and grows, it grows and grows and grows and becomes the largest tree big enough so that eagles could even nest in its wings. Or he would often tell stories like this one. The kingdom of God could be compared to a royal son, somebody who descended from a family of a king. And he lived in a certain territory and um, went to return to the capital so that he could get official authority to rule over the land. But before he went to get the authorization to rule and govern this territory, he called some of his servants to himself and he said, listen, Before I go, I want to give you some money. Here's some money, and while I am gone, I would like for you to operate with it. Work it. Use it. Advance it. Multiply it. And so the the noble man, part of the royal family, went and got the authorization and came back with official authority to govern the place. And when he returned, he found the servants, and he settled up with them and said, hey, come. What have you done with the money? And the one said, look, master, I've taken your money and I've doubled it. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm gonna set you over 10 towns. And then the next one came and said, master, I've invested your money and it's made 50%. Well done, good servant. I will set you over five cities. And then a third came and said, master, I knew that you had high standards And so I hid the money under my mattress. Here it is, just as he left it. And the master said, take the money from him and give it to the one with 10 towns. But but, but, but master, no. If you knew I had high standards, at least you could put it in the bank that it might gain interest. Jesus told all sorts of stories like this about the kingdom of God. Making it in some ways one of the most confusing teachings of the Bible. 
but also the most central piece. So let me recap over the last few weeks what we've learned. Um, we're hitting week three here of a short four-week series. So it means we have one left, and then I'm excited about um, vacation this summer. I'm going to take a couple weeks off preaching, so that'll be fun for me and for my family. Um, but the first week, I decided to sort of lay out a definition biblically of the kingdom. And, and a simple one is, despite what comes into our mind, when you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, the kingdom means the rule, the authority, the kingship of God. But not only does the, the scriptures give us a definition of the kingdom, it hints at the, the reality that we all desire the kingdom. Even though we live in a democracy, there's something hardwired into us that we want the good kingdom. We want the good place, the good life. And you may not live for God's kingdom, but the scriptures would say you live for some kingdom. And then we discover that one of the realities of the kingdom is that God communicates his rule, his kingship, his authority in a surprising way by his very presence. Meaning God comes and wants us to so get the message that he is in charge over all, that he comes to dwell with us. And the entirety of the scriptures could be, could be linked to this story of separation between mankind and their creator. And then the creator God who loves so unrelenting, so never-ending as to reconcile and to renew relationship by his presence. And this morning we're going to talk about dominion. And I'm a preacher, so they all start with D. Um, but dominion is what we talk about today. Some of Jesus' parables clearly show that God's kingdom is a domain. It is a realm that we can now enter into and experience the blessings of. And the thing is, Jesus was not inventing something new. He was actually hinting at the story from all along. So, a couple points this morning, and then I want to apply this truth of the dominion of Jesus to us, okay? Um, we're going to talk about the big picture, and then we're going to talk about the, the big idea, and then we will do some application, okay? So the big picture. The big picture is that we were created with passion. Every one of you has something that makes you come alive, something that you were uniquely designed to pour out for the good of others and for the glory of God. But the reality is the purpose behind us pouring out our passion often gets confused. And we begin to pour ourselves out towards things that are actually not good or not God. We begin to aim for other things than what the old catechism says, which the chief purpose, aim, end of band, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I mean, can you imagine that? Enjoying an authority figure? <laughs> like, we don't do that. Like, can you imagine a, a power and authority so mighty that you have to respect it, but so good that you want to? That is what the reality of God is like. And this is the, the story that was set forth in the very beginning, in the first pages of the Bible. This is Genesis chapter one. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then what? God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion, that's our word, 
over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God gives man and woman in paradise work to do. He says, hey, here's the earth. Look at all these amazing natural resources. Would you cultivate them? Would you bring order to the natural creation? Would you take that which is sort of chaos and organize it, subdue it? But the story continues then later on. As God's people become a nation, the nation of Israel, this is what happens in the book of Exodus. And at this place, God gives them his own rules. He says, hey, if, 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 if what it's like to live in my dominion is there's some order, there's some, there's some regulation to it, here, I'm going to give you my laws, my commands, my covenant. And when I do, I will uniquely position you along the trade routes of the ancient world that you might take the order and the light of my word and then share it with all of the surrounding peoples. Look at Exodus chapter 19 with me. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. God took his whole people out of captivity in Egypt and brought them into a new land, a new domain. And he said, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, dominion. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. You shall serve. And a holy nation. You shall be set apart. These are the words you shall speak to the people of Israel. God instructed Moses to tell them. Do you see it? The very wisdom, knowledge, the very insight of God, the creator, given to this people that they might be a treasured possession and they might extend the light of God into the surrounding nations. He gave them work to do as kingdom priests. He gave them a mission and a purpose to accomplish. But it doesn't stop there. When you get to the time of Jesus, Jesus then, after he has lived perfectly and he went to the cross to die sacrificially for your sins and mine, and then he rose victoriously showing his dominion over death and everything that exists, when he was about to ascend to heaven, he commanded his followers something very similar. This is Matthew 28. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. I love that. That's true of our church. Many worship and some doubt. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Dominion. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you see it? Go. Bring kingdom light. Bring kingdom truth. Bring kingdom hope to the world around you. I have given the good news of my reign and of the realm that my reign creates. Go, therefore, and extend it in all of the earth. Listen, the story doesn't stop there. 
Even when our world becomes perfect and the Lord Jesus comes back to bring his kingdom in full and all brokenness and all sin and all disorder is done away with and the creation is set right again, there is a new heavens and a new earth coming from the God who executes all justice and righteousness. Even when those come, there's still work to be done. Listen, I... The craziest thing about America's delusional view of retirement is that paradise is the place where there's nothing to do. Paradise is the place where, where it's endless leisure forever and ever with no obligation. That is not the way that God says it is. There is the problem is not work itself. The problem is America's approach to work. It is broken. It's been fractured, and we suffer its effects, even day by day. Work is not the problem. We are. Think about that, or that first parable. When the king returns, what will the good servants be given? Towns to govern. Sounds like work to do to me. There will be work in the kingdom of heaven. And listen, when you see people who retire without a purpose, they die fast. There's a, there's a God-given reason for that. Because you were created with a purpose to pour out your passions lifelong. One of the theologians that I've been reading says this, a reign without a realm is meaningless. The reign of Jesus creates a territory, a realm. We have been saved by grace, if you are a Christian, into the kingdom. When we bow the knee to King Jesus, which is taking him at his word about the kingdom, trusting in him, repenting, and then believing, that is to be saved by faith, through grace. It is only by Jesus that we enter into the kingdom. But when we do, we are, we are saved for a purpose. Salvation does not come by works, not by anything that we could do. There's nothing you could do to earn your way into favor with God. Nothing, ever. But though salvation is not by works, salvation is the call to kingdom works. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared for us beforehand. Look at the passage that we read he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you see the dominion language there? And if you're wondering about the rule, the apostle Paul goes on about that in the next verse. Here's what he says. He says, this ruler is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things. And in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church, that in everything he might be preeminent, supreme, exalted, for the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him and through him 
to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is the ruler. And his rightful rule will transfer you by faith into a new realm. So what's the big idea? All are called to kingdom work. The domain of Jesus means that all are called to full-time kingdom work. All of us are called to do the work of the kingdom. Too many of us view salvation as making the cut. I mean, we live in a society where perfection is sort of the expectation, visually, vocationally, it doesn't matter. We need to be flawless. And so our approach to relationship with God is if I could just make the cut, then I'll be okay. But that's not what the Bible has in mind. The Bible doesn't have in mind you sort of making the cut. The Bible has in mind you being transferred into the kingdom. That is the language of salvation. Being transferred into the kingdom means you now live under the authority of King Jesus and you live to extend his domain. To be a Christian means you put faith in him because you want to follow him. Living in the kingdom is an apprenticeship to King Jesus. Every day, all day, no matter what. And the leading assumption of the church in our time is that you can be a Christian, but not a disciple. You can be a Christian, you can put faith in Jesus, but you have no need to follow him. The Bible knows no such category. To believe in Jesus means to follow Jesus. And our behavior in this regard reveals our belief or maybe lack thereof. Because here's the deal. The way that we tend to operate in life and in the world reveals that we constantly disbelieve the dominion of Jesus. Think about it for a minute with me. When we begin to categorize life in terms of the religious pieces and the more regular pieces... We disbelieve the dominion of Jesus. He, he rules over here, but not over there. When we begin to categorize life in terms of the spiritual, the sacred, where Jesus reigns, and then the secular, everything else in life, where he doesn't quite have a clue what's going on, we disbelieve the dominion of Jesus. But the reality of God's dominion is that he reigns over all. Abraham Kuyper, the famous Dutch theologian, said it this way. There is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not rightfully cry, mine. His reign is supreme, and his realm extends everywhere. This is the extent of the dominion of King Jesus. His realm is not partial. His reign is not partial. And our work in his kingdom is not to be occasional either. We disbelieve the dominion of Jesus so much that kingdom life for us and kingdom work for us is part-time at best. Part-time at best. But the dominion of King Jesus means that all are called to full-time kingdom work. 
wherever we are, in whatever we are doing. And the work of the kingdom, as we've already seen hinted, is that wherever the domain, the rule of Jesus is, his, his power is to be experienced. The realm is simply the place where his reign is experienced. It is the work of bringing order to chaos, the work of bringing light to darkness, the work of bringing fullness fullness to what is empty, the work of bringing freedom to that which is captive, the work of bringing healing to that which is broken. We, as Christians, as ambassadors of King Jesus, are to bring kingdom, light, hope, and truth wherever we go. Dallas Willard, the late philosopher and theologian, said how a disciple lives naturally comes out of who a disciple is. So with that in mind, I want to close our time by talking about three identities that are crucial and true of all Christians. Let's get into them. All right, first one is Students, students. The dominion, dominion means that disciples are not part-time, but full-time students of King Jesus. Dominion means that disciples are not part-time, but full-time students of King Jesus. And any gospel that does not result in the immediate turning and then following Jesus as his student in all of life is no gospel at all. It is certainly not the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus taught. Christians have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son and now get to learn from the king always. Some of you know this, but I... um, I went to seminary part-time for seven years. It was a long time. And I'm just gonna shoot straight with you. Like, while I was working, doing ministry, um, having a family life, all of that, there were times in which my studies felt like an appendage to my normal life. Like something I was carrying along with me and had to do in order to somehow get my degree. I was a part-time student. But there were other times when I started to see myself not as just a seminary student, but as the student of King Jesus, whose classroom extended to all areas of my life and whatever I was learning in the classroom applied to my marriage and applied to the guys that I was discipling and applied to the job that I had at a church and applied to my relationship with my neighbors. Jesus was teaching me in all of my life. And when that happened, my studies seemed to flourish and provide source of nutrients, encouragement, support, and insight for me. Listen, since Jesus reigns over all and his his dominion extends to all, there is no part of your life where he is not teaching you. If you're a Christian, you're not a part-time student, but a full-time one. Listen to Willard again. He says, we need to be clear in our heads about what discipleship is. This is his definition. A disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. 
A disciple is not a person who has things under control or knows a lot of things. Disciples are simply people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. That sounds like repentance and faith. Constantly revising our affairs, turning from ways that we've gone astray, trusting in Jesus anew, continuing to follow through with our decision for Jesus. I wonder how many of us view learning from Jesus as a Sunday thing, as a volunteer thing, as a part-time thing, as a whenever it's convenient kind of thing, rather than a student of Jesus in all of life kind of thing. When we believe the dominion of Jesus extends over everything in our life, we will learn from him in the most surprising places. And if you're here this morning and you don't consider yourself a Christian, the reality of the matter is you are learning from someone. You are following something. And why not follow the one who is such a gracious teacher? Why not follow the one whom people for thousands of years have said contains the wisdom of the ages? Why not follow the one who knows the paths of life, who will point you out when you're wrong, who will lead you into ways that are true? Why not follow him? Not only are Christians students, Christians are ambassadors. Ambassadors. Dominion means that disciples are not part-time, but full-time ambassadors for King Jesus. Christians are full-time representatives of the king. And what that means is that any gospel you hear that does not call for the immediate dawning of the title of representative, of the brand ambassador, of the one who speaks on behalf of and shares the good news about their king, is no gospel at all. Christians have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom to represent the king. I have some friends who play major league soccer. Um, I played soccer in college, and recently I've connected with them a little bit. And um, I don't think there's maybe a, a vocation where representation or being an ambassador is more felt by the employee or the player because the, the rigor of the schedule and the expectations of the organization on a professional athlete are so high. They, I mean, they own the athletes within their organization in some sense. And what that means is the players are expected to represent the club, the organization, on and off the field. I even felt this when I was a student athlete, that I was expected to represent the program, but then because I was in the program, the school as a whole I was supposed to sort of be an ambassador for as well. Now, that's true for professional athletes, but this week, the mentor that I have who's a chaplain in the league invited me to sit in on the chapel that he gave for the men's national team. And representation for a national team takes a whole nother meaning. These young dudes getting a word from my mentor from the scriptures, staring many of them for the first time, the reality that they will step on a field and wear the flag representing not only soccer in our country, but our way of life as well. 
you could feel the weight of them representing, being an ambassador. Now, here's the deal. You don't have to be a professional athlete to get this. Because the truth of the matter is, whatever you think is great, you become the representative of. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If you think the new, the new Netflix original is great, if you think um, the, the restaurant you went to this last week is great, if you think the concert you went to is great, you will tell other people about it. We are natural brand ambassadors telling people the things that we are captivated by. And so it doesn't matter. You don't have to be part of the national soccer team to get this. You have to be human, and you have to think anything or something is great. And I promise you, you will tell other people about it. We hosted a party once as a church at a coffee shop not too far from here, and there was one guy who decided he was going to order kombucha. So he orders this glass, and all of a sudden, he starts talking with other people about it. And he's like, man, have you tried this stuff yet? It's so good. By the end of the night, our tab had 14 kombuchas on it. He was an ambassador for some fermented root in a glass. This is our very nature, to tell of what we've experienced as great. And I wonder, I wonder if the greatness of the kingdom in your mind has been slipping by the cares, the desires, the other stuff of this world. I wonder if the greatness of King Jesus has been lost on you such that it's hard for you to represent him in all of life. But a Christian is a full-time ambassador, not a part-time one. If you're not a Christian, let me ask you who you represent. Who do you speak well of? Who do you share the news about? And do they use power the way that Jesus does? Are they kind the way that Jesus does? does? Do they love you the way that Jesus can? All right, last one, and then I'm out of your way. Dominion means disciples are not part-time, but full-time family. Dominion means that disciples, followers of Jesus, are not part-time, but full-time family. Full-time united to the forever family of King Jesus. And we're going to talk more about this next week, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hold back. The gospel results in a constant connection between Christians and between the king. It results in this kind of interdependence, this constant intentional seeking. And wherever you find yourself part-time seeking the Lord, you have missed the call of the kingdom. Whenever you find yourself part-time connected to other people in the body of Christ, you have lost the vision of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is one where we are part of the royal family, and we are connected as brothers and sisters to one, enough, to one another because Jesus himself is the head of the body and the head of the church. If you're a Christian, you belong to the other Christians in the room. You belong to them as brothers and sisters. You can't live without them and still walk in the ways of the kingdom. So listen. 
Colossians says that what it means to be a Christian is to be transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And it means that the the rightful authority and reign of Jesus creates a very realm that we can enter into now and one that we we have been called to do the work of extending. There's not one square inch, not one square inch in this whole human existence of ours over which he does not cry mine. So let's move to a time of response. And as we do, I want to invite us to hear the call of the kingdom, that God is here at work among us, even though it's hot, he's here, and he's inviting us to repent and believe. He's inviting us to turn from our old ways and to trust him and to walk in the ways of the kingdom.